everybody, and welcome to the inaugural Canadian Trucking Alliance podcast. I'm not sure that is the official name. It's going to be a work in progress. Uh, maybe it's going to be like those parents who deliver their kid and then decide uh, what the name is going to be uh, three months later, depending on the personality of the kid. So uh, we'll see what the personality of this podcast is like three months from now, and maybe we'll give it a name. But if any of you listeners have any suggestions of what we can call this thing, uh, feel free to send them my way, and we'll certainly take your suggestions into accordance. Uh, with us today is the staff of the Canadian Trucking Alliance. Um, we have the president, Stephen Laskowski. Uh, to my right is Jeff Wood, Senior VP of Policy. We have Lax Schoen, Director of Policy and Awareness. On the line is Johnny Blackham, who is Director of Policy. Is that correct, John? That's great, Marco. Okay. And Johnny is uh, actually in quarantine. Johnny, can I tell that story? Can we tell everybody why you're in quarantine? Uh, sure, go ahead. So Johnny's beautiful wife is pregnant with twins, and um, Johnny has decided, rightfully so, that he doesn't want to take uh, all our... So thanks, John. Thanks, Marco. Okay, so right off the bat, Lack, um, I want to talk about the border. Yesterday, I mean, we can backtrack and give the entire history of, of what is going on at the border, but I think, you know, we had a bit of a bomb drop on us yesterday afternoon. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what, tell us what happened yesterday. Okay, so I guess we'll, we'll trace back uh, to the last 24 hours and, and what we started hearing. So going back to, to yesterday uh, on, on Wednesday, we started hearing some calls from carriers throughout the day saying, Hey, my, my drivers are being questioned about having to wear masks starting today, starting at midnight. Uh, we heard from two or three carriers and then multiple more carriers as, as the day went on. So we said, there, there's some sort of a theme here. This is something we definitely need to check out, hearing from this number of carriers in a short amount of time regarding uh, the requirement to wear a face mask is sort of uh, out of the blue, but in the current conditions and atmosphere that we're working in with COVID-19 and uh, sort of the, the stresses that, that governments are under to meet certain mandates. Uh, we thought it was, was prudent to, at the very least, uh, have this checked out uh, with our contacts at, at CVSA. Uh, our main objective after that was to get the information out to our members as quickly as possible uh, with as much information and details as possible. So we worked with, with CVSA to, to get all the details about uh, when this would come into effect. Uh, they, they indicated it would come into effect uh, as per uh, Public Health Canada immediately. So uh, we got that information out to, to all of our members. Uh, there were a lot of questions regarding what type of masks uh, would have to be worn, uh, when they would have to be worn. So we did get some clarification on some of those questions uh, this morning. So. Uh, in CBSA's uh, uh, perspective, they basically indicated that they're not going to be mandating the use of any specific non-medical mask. Uh, if, if it's uh, sort of a uh, bandana or a scarf or any other covering that uh, can make do at this time uh, and drivers are putting them on in good faith, uh, they'll, they, they won't have any issue. So that just to be clear here then, just as far as you know, the drivers are concerned, with a shortage of masks out there and obviously with the healthcare industry taking priority just to be clear if you show up and as long as your face is covered with with a, a reasonable object a bandana scarf um you're you'll be let through correct yeah that's correct so cvsa has indicated that they're not going to be turning trucks around they're not going to try to give drivers a hard time 
if drivers don't have a mask and they have a mask available at the port of entry, they'll be giving masks to drivers. Uh, so there shouldn't be uh, any issues uh, with that moving forward. Uh, with that being said, we're, we're living in sort of a rapidly changing environment and, and things could change moving forward. Uh, but at this current time, we haven't heard uh, any concerns being raised by carriers, at least at uh, what time is it? 11.17 on, on Thursday. So I haven't checked my email in a couple of minutes, but uh, there hasn't been any concerns raised in regards to trucks being stopped and, and drivers being uh, otherwise questioned regarding not having uh, masks on while, while crossing into Canada. I, I think the key thing here for, for any, any driver or any owner listening to this is that uh, do your best to source uh, a mask. Uh, if you do go to the border, as Locke says, a bandana or some other non-medical uh, uh, covering will do. In fact, I think Locke, uh, on our website in the COVID-19 report, there are some uh, recommendations or descriptions what a non-medical mask is. And, and at the end of the day, when you show up to pill, uh, if they have a mask, they being CBSA, they'll give you one. Uh, and if you don't have one and you don't have a face covering, in the, in the early days, at least we've been told, is that you will not be sent to secondary. They'll deal with you at Pell and you'll proceed accordingly. Do we have an idea of how many masks the board agency has available? So they're having the same issues as everyone else trying to get masks. They're trying to get their hands on as many as, as possible right now. But the, the amount that they do have, they'll be able to hand out if people don't have masks uh, when they're crossing the border. So in other words, they're going to do their best and in case they run out, make sure you have an alternative. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And, and I think it's also important, Marco, too, to remember, I mean, this is, this is becoming not just a border issue, but especially in the United States, there's a number of cities and towns and, and areas where these same type of policies are, are coming into place. So you should have one with you anyway. Yeah. So one thing I should add, we did get some clarification from CBSA in terms of when drivers should be wearing the mask. Uh, they should be worn at all times when they're working. Um, this is really meant to sort of curb the spread of, of COVID-19 and, and for health purposes by Public Health Canada. So if uh, drivers are working at, at any time and if they're approaching the border and they put their mask on and they can't and they take it off while, uh, while crossing the border on the other side, that's not something that's being seen as, as being uh, a recommendation or, or being permissible by CBSA. So they are recommending that. Uh, if you have a mask, please keep it on at, at all times if possible. So, Lack, the, the, I would say that the most amount of confusion that's existed since this crisis uh, erupted uh, four or five weeks ago is around the border. Despite declarations from the highest levels of government that truck drivers are an essential service and are uh, exempted from any sort of self-quarantine protocols or anything like that, we continue to get calls and questions about truck driver exemptions. Can you sort of, you know, summarize this once and for all of what the status is for truck drivers, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, how far does the exemptions go? Yeah, so over the last couple of weeks, it's almost been a, a broken record, the amount of times we've had to talk to, whether it's government officials or sometimes members or, or border officers in terms of uh, what exactly is an, an essential service. So trucking and cross-border trucking and the movement of goods remains a, an essential service and trucks can move unencumbered across the border, both northbound and southbound. Um, there's been some border officers that have been using 
uh, I guess what I'll call some creative uh, interpretation of, of border policies and saying that specific type of commodities or goods or even specific type of trucks uh, may not be allowed across the border. Uh, since then, we've done a lot of work to, uh, to work with uh, border officials on both sides of the border to ensure that uh, these measures are, are being clarified. And since then, it's been pretty smooth sailing uh, since the, the first couple of weeks when all these border restrictions were being uh, introduced. So uh, I think both uh, drivers, carriers and, and border officers and officials have, uh, have really uh, worked towards a common understanding of what these new uh, border restrictions are and what the new realities are. Uh, at the border as well. So these are arbitrary decisions by individual, you know, frontline officers mis misinterpreting. So in the event that that happens, what is the best thing that a driver should do? What should he be communicating with his company? Obviously, you know, sit there and argue with somebody who's already misinterpreted the policy uh, is probably not going to do any do you any good. What advice would you give uh, a driver who encounters uh, a frontline uh, official who doesn't understand uh, the protocol? Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, with the amount of uh, communication or miscommunication that's happening on, on a daily basis and the amount of information that's coming out is changing, again, hour by hour and, and daily, there's going to be some level of miscommunication that's happening, uh, whether it's between uh, carriers and drivers or drivers and officers and, and those sorts of things. But uh, if, if uh, drivers are facing reoccurring issues at a certain uh, port of entry, they're encouraged to to contact uh, the supervisor on duty and to explain to them uh, what the what the recurring issues are uh, if they they keep on happening if there's a larger issue uh, with the with the port of entry uh, either not getting the message or misinterpreting uh, the current policies uh, that's possibly when you can escalate it either to uh, myself at, at CTA or your local provincial association who'll be able to address the the situation a little bit more uh, more effectively uh, moving forward. So the most amount of confusion usually centers around the 14 self-isolation protocol that is for other, other travelers, just to be clear, that does not apply to truck drivers unless they are exhibiting symptoms, correct? That's correct. So uh, all essential travelers that are traveling across the border are exempt from the 14-day the self-isolation uh, protocols that have been put in place. That's mostly meant for travelers that are returning uh, from abroad from from personal personal travel, so truck drivers are not going to be uh, mandated to stay into quarantine if they're uh, working. Uh, with that being said, if they're not working and they're at home, they're expected to practice the same policies that we're all practicing uh, at home, whether that's practicing social distancing, uh, self-isolating uh, as much as possible, uh, and all those sorts of things. So. It's uh, even though they're exempt from the self quarantine practices, this definitely isn't a get out of uh, jail free card. Uh, so we expect uh, drivers to uh, employ the same uh, uh, or use the same uh, policies that we're all using uh, as members of the, the general public uh, to curb the spread of, of COVID 19. Right. And I can just add here that you know, we have a uh, document on best practices and tips. Uh, on, available online, uh, cantruck.ca, right on the homepage. There's a big banner that takes you to a special COVID-19 uh, information page. And on that page, there is all sorts of information, not just on the border, but everything else that is COVID related. Um, and I encourage everybody to visit that. Jeff, it seems to me that a lot of the anxiety that exists between truck drivers and the people they have to interact with are sort of centered around 
interactions of the cab with inspections, whether it's at the border, as Lack discussed, or um, uh, other in inspections. We keep hearing rumors or stories about so-called checkpoints. What can you tell us about that? So, so a couple things, Marco. So let's let's start with the inspection. So I, I think it's important for everybody to realize that enforcement has not enforcement has not stopped uh, with COVID, and in fact. Uh, with uh, with less cars on the road, the, the trucks stand out, and there's the enforcement community. Whether it's whether it's a transportation agency or the police, are, are still doing their job, uh, and and just like just like truck drivers and the carriers, they're they're on the front lines of, of this fight. So, it's in, in unlike the border, where every driver that comes across the border has an interaction with enforcement, um, sort of border officials. The truck enforcement side of it, I mean, not every truck gets inspected every day, so so the. The key for us was to make sure that everybody knew what was what was happening, and that you know, for the most part, it, it was business as usual. But obviously, there were, were some questions that came forward with, well, how do I interact with the, with the police officer? How do I interact with the, with a truck enforcement officer? And particularly around Marco, to your point about, you know, a lot of the inspections are you know physical, hands-on with the truck in, in close proximity to the driver. There's a lot of exchange of you know documentation, whether it's a logbook or paperwork like that. So so all of these questions were coming up. And we needed to find uh, some answers, some consistent answers uh, from coast to coast. Obviously, we're dealing with, you know, provinces and, and territories in, in Canada, and there's a there's a number of agencies that are involved in in the enforcement world. So, so we did work. We reached out to uh, you know a number of folks. Obviously, uh, Transport Canada, Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, and a number of the of the provincial provincial um, regulators. And basically, what what we what we ended up with was the Canadian Council of Motor Transport Administrators quarterbacking this effort for us. I mean, they're sort of the umbrella organization that that has on the policy side and the enforcement side uh, that deals with truck enforcement. So we reached out to them and said, "Look, you know, we need we, we know everybody is is practicing social distancing, and we know all the enforcement agencies are protecting themselves and, and also doing everything to protect the protect the truck drivers. So we needed something, some sort of a consistent statement to." To, to issue uh, for everybody to understand what was happening. So the basic things like, you know, don't ask a driver to sign paperwork. Um, you know, if you're, you know, try not to, try not to climb onto the, onto the running boards of the truck. If you have to verify, you know, credentialing, you can do it through a verbal verification or the driver can show it out the window, those, those types of things. So that's the consistency that we were able to establish with, with CCMTA and, and you know, to their credit and to the credit of, of the enforcement agencies, they put a document together that we've shared uh, on our website. And it, it's very, it's very basic, but it's, 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 you know, with without having, uh, you know, a single source of this, it, it was creating a lot of questions. And, and fortunately, we were able to answer those questions now. So, what are the check? First of all, tell us where the checkpoints originated when we first heard about them, and but also tell us what are they essentially? Are they mostly educational interactions? So, so. We just talked about truck enforcement, so everybody knows how that interaction works. The, the second sort of wave of this is because of COVID-19, you have the public health agencies, whether it's the Public Health Canada or whether you have the provincial agencies, they are all doing what they need to do and what they've been directed to do. So um, what started in, I think it was Manitoba, um, the public health agency there said, look, you know, we're going to, we are going to start educating uh, the motoring public and we're going to do this at basically at points of entry to the province. So we received some, some information from, from the Provincial Association in Manitoba with respect to what, what their folks were doing. And essentially it started, Marco, as a, um, it's, it's, we're calling them passive. So it's, it's simply, it's a check, it, we say it's a checkpoint, but really it's, it's an educational stop on, on the side of the road. 
So there, there may be, you know, there may be police involved, there may be public health officials. Um, so that started in Manitoba and, it, and it's just, it's purely educational. And obviously with trucks being an essential service, they, they know that the trucks need to come through. This quickly spread or we, we did, we, uh, we asked, we did a call out to our provincial associations and, and some, of the, some of the governments, obviously through CCMTA as well, to find out sort of what was happening on a national scope. And sure enough, you know, right across the country, and not everybody had started right away, but you know, for instance, Manitoba, then we heard about New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, uh, Quebec obviously had uh, had some issues. That, you know, they had they had some concentration. So so these um, these checkpoints were, were being set up. But really, the, the the main point was to educate folks on what was happening. Just basic awareness about COVID nineteen. All of the stuff you've heard in the media about social distancing. You know, if you've traveled, you need to do this, et cetera, et cetera. But but the one thing that that stood out was you know obviously if you're a truck driver and you're essential service, they understand that they're going to let you go through. So the the to, to help with that, uh, and this sort of leads into, you know, I think something Mark Lee and I wanted to talk about was, okay, I'm a truck driver, um, you know, how do, I, how do I explain to somebody that I'm, a, I'm an essential service? So, right. so Transport Canada, uh, we work with, CTA work with Transport Canada and, and other, other government agencies to, to produce what we're calling a, basically an essential worker uh, identification letter that, that, that the company can sign and personalize to the driver that identifies to whether it's public health or whether it's an enforcement officials like, I'm a truck driver. This is what I'm doing. Here's my credentials. Um, and what what also got paired with that was a number of the companies were a number of the trucking companies were issuing their own documentation, basically identifying that these individuals were were essential. So it's pretty obvious when you're driving a truck what you're doing. Um, but if you're in your in your car and you're going back and forth to work, precisely. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Because yeah. essentially, I mean, if you're driving a tractor trailer, I mean. Pretty obvious what you're doing. It's pretty obviously what yeah. you're doing. But if you're in a personal vehicle going to and from work or your operations, um, you know, that's that's a whole yeah. different level of, 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 of explanation. 100%. So obviously in, in trucking, you've, you've got drivers, but we've also got all kinds of other essential folks that are working with, within a carrier, whether it's a technician, whether it's, you know, office staff, dispatchers, all, you know, up to the executive level. And all these people need to move around. So so the purpose of the letter was to, was to identify uh, to if officials, if if asked, sort of what what the nature of, of their business was, and obviously, you know, sometimes people need to go from municipality to municipality. In some cases, you know, based on the nature of our workforce, we have people that are crossing provincial boundaries as well. So, so that was the real intent. We were very very happy with uh, with with the response from from the government of Canada. They 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 understand sort of the nature of our business. They were the it was a rapid response uh, to the letter. I think we we requested it. Um, you know, it was within sort of 72, 48 hour turnaround, which is, which is pretty good. Um, so we're, we're happy with that. That document's available on our website. We encourage people to use it and, and just to, just to make sure that they understand, you know, the nature of these, you know, the, the nature of the letter and, and what applies with it. So this applies when you're working, but when you're not working, um, you know, the, the same rules that apply to, to everybody else in terms of social distancing and, and, and making sure that you're, you're isolating to, to, the, to what the, the local authorities want you to do. Jeff, we have a couple more minutes. Can you just briefly talk about the response from government from when basically this hit the fan um, in terms of ensuring that it would be, for the most part, business as usual, that uh, things like, you know, licensing and renewals would, at the very least, allow people to continue operating. How, how fast and how efficient was the response from the agencies that you, that you work closely with? So I, I mean I would I would say it was it was 
I mean, it was immediate. Um, and, and basically what we were dealing with, Mark, was is anything that had an expiry date on it, whether it was a driver's license, a driver's medical, an annual inspection, a license plate, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you take that scope of, of issues. And I, I would, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I'm, I'm sort of probably in the 20, 30 ranges are, are these different types of credentials or documents that you're dealing with. So all of the governments reacted immediately. The, the, the challenge, and we knew it was happening, the challenge for us was to get it in a concise location where, as a reference. So if, if you're a carrier on the West Coast or the East Coast or Central Canada, you could look through this. And the majority of, of, you know, of jurisdictions pushed, some of them pushed it 60 days, some 90, some said it was indefinite, but that's based on sort of how their Emergency Measures Acts work, work in, in, their, in their jurisdictions. Uh, but but I think the the really positive uh, out of this is that we were able to work with CCMTA again, the umbrella organization for that that represents the jurisdictions, and they've put together a document that's basically it's a massive spreadsheet. It gets updated four o'clock every afternoon on during business days, and it explains what every jurisdiction's done. And you know again, updates are provided. It's a great resource for carriers that you know if you have questions about you know whether it's driver medicals or you know whatever whatever they might be getting or drivers questions drivers might have it's all there and and very very happy with uh with how that uh, took place you know mark i think to jeff's point uh the key here has been communication just like LAC uh and c and cbsa have had excellent communication jeff has developed incredible communication uh with the canadian council of motor transport administrators and uh, there's weekly calls daily calls at times and the key is communication. So I think uh, if you're a member of the industry out there and uh, you have questions or concerns, uh, use your provincial associations and the Canadian Trucking Alliance. Uh, we have continuous contact uh, with the officials making the decisions and uh, we're able to get clarity and, uh, and answers in a really collaborative and cooperative manner. And it's, uh, it's been very helpful. It's been a crazy 45 days on a whole host of files. Uh, but through open communication, constant communication and collaboration, uh, you know, we, we've occasionally hit bumps, but it hasn't been through lack of effort or lack of communication or collaboration. It's just been a lot of rapid change uh, in a very short time. So, John, I mean, we've spent the last, you know, four or five weeks or so ironing out all the uh, operational issues that, that have emerged since this crisis. Now, attention is, is starting to be paid to yeah, the economic impact on businesses, uh, particularly businesses like the trucking industry that that are still essential and still operating, um, but you know obviously with massive tectonic plates uh, shifting underneath their feet. Uh, specifically, the wage subsidy to keep people on the payroll. Yeah, thanks, Marco. So you're 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 exactly right. I mean, we you've heard Lack and you've heard Jeff talk about truck drivers being and the trucking industry being an essential service you know this is obviously in the context of, of you know government lists and and you know officially identifying these but there's also just sort of the essential nature we all know um, you know of the trucking industry they're the ones carrying the essential goods that Canadians and businesses are counting on right now and if you know, if and when we get to that uh, economic recovery, I mean, these are going to be the same people that that enabled the jumpstart of, of the Canadian economy, really. So, 
Um, you know, I think as things go more and more, the eye is going to have to be towards making sure really that the, the trucking industry is healthy, that there is capacity there for when we do start to, to get those wheels moving for the, the larger economy. Um, in the meantime, I think what most carriers are looking at, or, or certainly many carriers are looking at, uh, is the wage subsidy that's been announced. You know, obviously the goal of this program is to help keep people on the payroll, to help make sure that workforce is there when those uh, when those wheels do start to, to turn again for the economy. So um, this is certainly a great program. I think folks should absolutely look at this. Obviously there are uh, eligibility criteria to, to get the wage subsidy. Um, the subsidy itself, uh, as I'm sure most folks have, have heard to this point, it does cover up to 75% uh, of, a, of an, employee sub, or an employee's wage, up to a maximum of $847 per week. Um, but there has been some subtle changes in the program since it was first announced a couple weeks ago that I think it's important that people uh, take note of and uh, think about when they're putting their applications together. Um, generally, I would say that the final version of the subsidy that we landed with, I think, is more accessible. Uh, hopefully, that's the case in practice than, than the previous versions announced. Um, you know, one of, one of the main changes uh, that I'll point out is in the beginning, employers needed to see a decline of at least 30% in their gross revenue for the months of March, April, and May. Uh, but I think as, as policymakers started to think through this a little bit more, you know, there was a realization that a lot of folks really didn't feel the full effects of the, the pandemic until well into March. Um, so that meant that the sort of 30% decline for the month of March may not be necessarily the best benchmark. So since then, they've reduced this down to 15% for the month of March uh, in, a, in a decline in your gross revenue. Uh, and they've kept it at 30% for, for the following two months. Um, they've also introduced some, some flexibility in the way you can do the accounting uh, for this. Um, two things I'll, I'll note in particular is that uh, looking at sort of options when it comes to either the accrual method or the cash method for when you're doing your accounting and demonstrating um, that you have, in fact, uh, experienced this decline. Um, and on this note, they've also made another change uh, when it comes to either the what, what you might call benchmarking or the comparison periods. Uh, in the first iteration of, of the program, what the government was saying was you needed to do sort of a year-over-year -year comparison with the corresponding month. So, uh, to demonstrate you had a 30% decline in gross revenue, you would compare your revenues from March 2019 to March 2020, April 2019 to April 2020, and, and so on. Um, this method is still available, uh, so that's still on the table, but they've also introduced um, the ability to, uh, to use an average for January and February. So if you take your gross annual revenue or your gross uh, gross revenue uh, for January and February of, of 2020 and then compare that to the the respective months that's also an alternative way um, that you can demonstrate you've met the the criteria the the only catch to all of these sort of accounting measures uh, that I just noted was you know once you pick one way and say this is this is the way we're calculating it 
you have to keep it consistent throughout the process. Um, and and I'll, I'll just uh, I'll say one more one more point on the the wage subsidy. And in, in the original plan, um, they they set it up so carriers would have to reapply for each month. Right. Uh, this is right now um, a three month program. Uh, but they've, they've softened this a little bit. So now what they're saying is, you know, if you qualify for one time period, let's say, say March, you would then automatically qualify for the next following time period. So if you qualify for March, uh, you automatically qualify for April, and then you would need to resubmit for, for May. So um, again, you know, I, I, we thought that this is a, a great program. Obviously, you know, companies may need more support than just the wage subsidy, something we're very much aware of. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as a program on the table, uh, we, we think that this is uh, something carriers should definitely look at. Uh, yeah, to just build off of John's point, and, uh, you know, it's not lost on the Canadian Trucking Alliance, nor was it lost on our executive and provincial association members uh, who we've been meeting with uh, almost on a daily basis throughout this crisis to help guide the alliance and, and guide our positions. And as John mentioned, uh, there are some asks specifically for our sector that we're asking Ottawa to address. And uh, it's clear that we need some cash injection into our industry to assist carriers. Uh, empty miles are up to 30%. And uh, our solution to Ottawa for that is uh, a three a three month remittance deferral with regards to payroll taxes, which would help carriers significantly with uh, with some cash injection. And for drivers, it's not lost on us that your costs are going up as well. Uh, asking Ottawa to increase the meal deductibility. So those are our two major issues and policies that we're asking Ottawa to address and. Uh, on next week's podcast, uh, Jonathan will walk the, uh, the audience through uh, our business conditions survey and the findings that uh, supports uh, these asks and, and, these, and the rationale around uh, payroll tax uh, deferrals and meal deductibility increases. Uh, pretty powerful data being collected by CTA and uh, for next week for a teaser, you'll, you'll get a deeper dive into what those numbers have to say. So on, on the subject of payroll taxes, and, 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 and I'd be remiss not to mention uh, sort of the elephant in the room, uh, what happens to all those companies uh, previously, uh, which was a big topic before COVID-19, but what happens to all those companies that were not uh, their fair share of payroll taxes and the drivers also taking advantage of that happen? You know, that is a, a, a sore point in our industry and a sore point within this building. Uh, Let's call it what the it driver is. Inc. The, driver. the driver inc phenomenon. Yeah, uh, it was a major scourge in our industry before this, and uh, we are reminding Ottawa throughout this crisis and definitely out of this crisis, especially when billions of tax dollars are being paid to support people in need. And it highlights the point that everyone needs to pay their fair share. Uh, and dr let's call Driver Inc. what it is. It's tax evasion. And uh, that is highlighted even more during this crisis. And uh, uh, as far as businesses go, our message to Ottawa is, uh, if you operate with personal services businesses, they're not employees, and as businesses, you're not entitled to that type of relief related to employees. Uh, and that is our message. And just to be clear, no one's forgotten. Uh, no one will forget the driver <laughs> ink issue. 
I mean, I'm not sure of the maxim, but the, the, the saying goes in every crisis there's an opportunity or, or don't let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, while I don't want to downplay the absolute disastrous effect on our industry uh, and the economy in general, there is a small silver lining in all this, which is that perhaps we're seeing an unprecedented level of respect for our industry and for the truck driver uh, in particular. Unfortunately, it's taken, it's taken a, a crisis to illuminate uh, the, the essential nature and the role of the hardworking frontline women and men um, you know, the hashtag campaign that, that was launched by the CTA uh, built momentum. We've seen uh, politicians at the highest level, including the Prime Minister himself, in uh, public support. We've seen, you know, people calling us and asking us what can they do? Can they bring groceries to truck stops that don't have uh, food services available? Uh, big companies did step up to the plate, uh, ensured that truck drivers would be served at their facilities. For the most part, it's been working effectively well. I think the public is seeing really that there is a fine line between civility and chaos in times like this. And it is the supply chain um, that with the supply chain with the trucking industry as its backbone. Um, and I think for the first time, people are really, really cognizant of that fact. So in closing in on that, Marco, I, I would encourage everyone to go uh... Thank you to all the provincial trucking associations and uh, Restaurants Canada for helping us compile a list of, of uh, truck driver friendly uh, restaurant locations throughout Canada. And again, go to cantruck.ca for, for that list. And uh, there, there are a number of uh, great companies that have stepped up to uh, help serve our, our drivers uh, across the country. So encourage you to go there. And uh, thanks for listening to our first show. and. Uh, We'll be back next week. And just as a reminder, everything that we've discussed on this is available in one form or another on the COVID-19 page. That's at cantruck.ca. Um, it's uh, easy to uh, go to the COVID page. You'll see a big banner and uh, feel free to dig around. Everything we discussed is, is available in detail on that page. Thank you very much for listening and uh, we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.